0: So today, I plan on offending everyone. Um, just I've been told before that my spiritual gift is the gift of agitation. Um, and so I want you to know, <laughs> there you go, um, that I won't hold back. I won't uh, uh, leave anyone out. That I'll offend everybody. Um, but today, we're going to actually talk about generosity. And the reason why we chose this topic in this sermon series is because if we're talking about what a, a compelling church or a winsome church looks like, you know, a church that people are drawn to, I believe that one of the things that connects most with this generation, um, and you know, <clears throat> especially young people, is a church that is truly generous. That is truly generous. That we use our resources in ways that affect the world around us, and that we give in such a way that it's compelling to people. I do believe there are a lot of people who are skeptical when it comes to how a church spends money, or how a church uses what comes in, or how much you should give, and that's not unwarranted. There's, um, having been and worked in three different churches, three different styles of churches, the first church that I worked at out of college was a, uh, about a seven-year-old church plant that was still finding its feet, a little bit like what we are, and the, uh, the way the finances were done at that church was like Mickey Mouse. I mean, it was like It was a hot mess. I'm glad that it wasn't my responsibility to get into those books because it was just sort of like hand-to-mouth, basically. Uh, And we just sort of survived, Um, it it felt like. The second church I worked at was a uh, a church that was about 80 years old in New Jersey. And New Jersey, the part of New Jersey we lived in, uh, northern New Jersey, was one of the richest areas in the entire country. And we had people that would give like tons of money to the church, but we couldn't get anybody in the church to serve, right? So we had people that were willing to pay for the ministry to be done, but weren't willing to get their hands dirty uh, and actually do the ministry or or share with the community. Uh, The church I was at just before this one was a little, it was kind of a a mega church wannabe. Um, So we had a very extensive budget, a lot of staff members, and um, things were very... I don't know, there's just committees and red tape and all kinds of, I mean, if you wanted to spend some money, you had to go through five different people to approve it. It was just really stupid. So, um, I I will admit this to you, just uh, just take this for what it's worth. I don't do anything like this now, but I did at this point. I laundered money through the soda machine at the youth for the youth ministry. Um, they wouldn't give us money to spend for the budget, but I was somehow able to get all the sodas paid for out of the budget, and then I put the sodas into the the pot machine. And then our kids bought all the sodas. And then I just had all this cash coming out of this soda machine that we spent on the youth ministry. So that's laundering. Um, Please don't tell anybody I did that. It's just between me and you. Um, I had to work around systems to be able to spend the money that we needed for youth ministry. Um, I definitely remember there was a time where we bought a huge item. Um, It was like a Um, A basketball hoop, and it was like we got a a really, really nice one. And uh, I went and and took out—I had a thousand dollars in ones. It was, it was ridiculous. Um, I was like, "What are they going to think about me when I show up and pay in ones?" Um, So yeah, so I've I've worked in three different churches. There's been three different mentalities on how to. So I want to share with you a little bit about what's our mentality about generosity at our church. And I want to talk to you a little bit about you and how you relate to our church, how you decide what it is that you might give to a church like us. And um, I just, I, I'm not planning to offend everyone, but it seems like whenever we talk about this topic, people get offended. That's um, not my intention. I want you to understand that generosity is part of discipleship, that Jesus talks a whole lot about generosity. One of the things you might hear in sermons like this is that Jesus talked about money more than anything else. That's not true. He did not. You can go and look it up in almost any metric. He talked about it. Uh, in about, about 25% of the, the main teachings that he has, he references greed or money or generosity or something that connects to one of these uh, topics. And so it was an important thing, but Jesus talked about the kingdom much more than he talked about money, which also relates. He talked about salvation. He talked about prayer and faith. And so there's a lot of stuff that that ranks, but it was definitely one of the main things Jesus talked about because I think Jesus saw that that there was a lot of injustice in the way that money was used and in the uh, kind of the way that the the temple and the religion of the day operated. I think that can be what happens in your church. And one of the nice things about uh, starting a church plan is that we got to start from scratch. So the first thing, I literally the first. Act as uh, July 1st, 2018. I went full time in trying to create this church. And the first thing we did was find a financial officer who would then basically run our finances, um, and that would be the person who uh, reconciles all of our books. And then we found a treasurer who would spend our money basically for the organization and would be in charge of it all. And these two people, while we worked together on a finance team, did different things. We had someone reconciling our books, and we had somebody uh, who was spending the money. And so both of these things were seen and kind of communicated together between these two people. And I was kind of in the middle, setting the budget on behalf of the staff. That's kind of how we ran our budget from the beginning. And we wanted to have a mentality of what does it look like to be a generous church. So from day one, we decided that we would tithe from the finances that come into Uh, the church. Now, we have gone well beyond tithing, but we started with the idea that we would tithe. And the way that we broke it down was we said, okay, 6% of what comes into our church goes to church planting. We still have that as one of our core tenets to what we do as a church. The fact that there's a church, Catalyst White Bear, who's meeting this morning, we have given them over $35,000 in the couple years that we've been with them, and free coaching, and walk through the journey with them. So it's been something we wanted... Yeah, all right. Something that was very important to us. Even right now as we speak, because our goal is to be able to plant a new church every three to five years, we have right now right around $36,000 in an account, earmarked only for church planting, that's ready to go. I think by the time we launch another church, we find a church planter and we walk them through that, we'll have probably $50,000 to invest in the next church that we launch. So... Yeah, there you go. So, if I'm being transparent, 6% of everything went right to church, goes right to church planning still. We give 2% of what comes in right straight to Ralph Reeder, 2% goes straight to Quincy House. Those are the two ministries that we've linked arms with in this community to make a difference in the lives of people. We give 1% to our denomination. It goes right back to funding what our denomination is doing. Our denomination is a couple hundred churches in the Minnesota and Iowa region that are all kind of working together to see God's kingdom get built. And we recognized the idea that we would want to fund what God was doing on a denominational level because we want to be part of a team, and that was important to us. And then beyond that, we gave to all kinds of, of things that were very important to us. We've given to Haiti through Reuben, through the Haiti Connection. Yep, we've given to <laughs> Days for Girls. We've given to other, other churches. We've given away things that we had that were available to us that other churches could use. We just gifted uh, a $10,000 stage to Catalyst Covenant Church that we had sitting around that we don't use anymore. The, the community center upgraded our stage. We had this old one. We were able to pass it along to the next church. We want to live as a church on an institutional level as a generous place. It's very important to us. And I want you to know that God has been faithful all along the way to help us do these kinds of things because the people in this church are unbelievably generous. Like, it's you guys that allow us to be that way. And one of the cool things about not having overhead, right? Not having a giant building that we spend, you know, the last church I was in, like I don't, I don't want to throw them under the bus or anything, but it's thirty-two thousand dollars a month to, to keep the building just the lights on and keep it heated. Thirty-two grand, thirty-two thousand dollars a month that we were spending just to keep the building operational, just to make sure that the parking lot had no snow in it and to make sure that you know, we had electricity and to make sure that we had heat. $32,000. We don't have that kind of overhead, so we're able to be really generous uh, with, with what we do. And that's one of the things that may have compelled you to come and invest in a church like ours. Um, and so today, I just want to talk to you about what it looks like for you to be generous because it's important to us as a church, and the only way that this works is if individuals are also generous and are also investing in what God is doing here, then we're able to then turn around with the resources God has given us and to use those in the community to love the community. So I want to start here just with a, a kingdom principle of generosity. By the way, you can follow along and take notes in the app. There's a, there's a link right on the front page that gets you into this, um, or we'll have it on, on screen here. A kingdom principle of generosity, and that's that we would live sufficiently so that we can give extravagantly. Now, I want to start with a couple of caveats. Because sometimes you sit in a church service and you hear someone say, you should tithe. And I want you to understand that tithing, we don't really preach it. We don't really believe in a percentage. I'm not going to give you a formula. So if you're looking for a formula, um, I'm just not going to satisfy you, okay? But I want to talk to you about the heart behind it. And I want to tell you that Tithing isn't a bad idea. It's nothing wrong with it. Jesus actually affirms the tithe at one point. He's talking to uh, the uh, Pharisees and he says to them, Hey, you guys are technically perfect in the way that you give because you tithe even on your spices and even on your like the smallest things in your life. You tithe on those things and you keep track of those things and you make sure that 10% goes back to the church. Well, yes, tithing isn't a bad idea. But in the Old Testament, Generally, if you were part of the temple, you gave almost 30% to the temple. There was a tithe, and then there was another tithe that was to help the people who worked at the temple. And then there was a uh, offering you took every three years that would also go into what you were giving. So it was like somewhere between like 23 and 30% of your, of your uh, income. <coughs> excuse me, income went back to the, back to the temple. I'm at a point now where there's nothing in here, but my body wants to continue. To, so I'm coughing. Just, anyways, um, they 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 tithe almost 30% in the Old Testament. Go look it up. It's really not. I mean, if I said, hey, let's let's just have everybody give 30% of their income tomorrow, um, that'd be some significant change in people's lives. I don't think that that we're not gonna go with that percentage. That's probably. Uh, I mean. By the way, there are people that do that, and that's awesome. I'll get into that in a minute. Uh, in the New Testament, there wasn't like a, hey, give 10%. There was a Everyone had what they needed. As their needs came about, the church just sort of stood up and said, I can take care of that. And sometimes they gave everything. People were selling off pieces of property and handing over the proceeds from that to make sure that the church would continue on and be healthy. Uh, their mentality was like, we'll do whatever it takes to make sure that the church has what it needs. So percentages, I don't think, are super helpful. Now, if you're like a really organized person, you want to make sure that you, you were taught that and you were trained that way, like, I'm f- that's fine. Jesus affirms that. He says, that's okay, that's great. But I often believe that we could start somewhere and continue to grow throughout our life on what it looks like to give, and we can go well beyond a tithe over time as we grow in our generosity. That like, yes, whenever we start to give, it's hard, no matter what we're giving. But then we can grow in that over time and it becomes easier and easier and you have more joy and more joy as you give and as you grow in what you give, okay? So I won't give you the the formula. Um, I think tithing is fine, but it's just not what we teach about generosity. Um, I will also say this. Each one of the principles that we'll talk about today are meant to be held in tension. If you take any one of these principles, or in general, you think one silver bullet solves what it looks like to understand generosity, you'll be out of line. You'll be out of whack. We see people preach all kinds of things about giving, right? For instance, the health and wealth gospel pastors out there who will say, hey, if you're struggling with health, which one of us isn't right now? I think I need to give more because I have no voice, right? Like, they will tell you give more so that you can have a blessing of health, or give more so that you can have the blessing of wealth. Oh, you don't have enough money? Give more so you'll have more. Like, I yeah, buy this thing and we'll send it to you and it'll change. Every- like, stop it. Like the fact that they're on TV should be like your first, like, their first issue. If they're fundraising on television, it pays for the TV spot. So that's a problem. Like pay attention to that okay so we have health and wealth but that's one t- that's one idea that's out of whack they've taken one thing and they've focused on it and they haven't really kept in tension the idea that there's a lot to being generous and being generous as a person and i also want to say that it's much more than money even though we're going to be talking about your finances today it's your time it's your talent it's your you, you know yes it's your money jesus talks about all the time he tells us that where we you know put our treasure there our heart will be as well so it's important it's an important thing, but it's much more. Being generous is about much more than you're, than you're giving. Okay? And then lastly, I'm not fundraising today. I'm not trying to increase our budget. I'm not trying to um, have this conversation so that way I can influence you in any way. If, if you would go home today and you would engage God about what your giving looks like and you would ask him what he wants from you, and you would give it with joy, whatever that answer is that you receive from God, to me, that would be the win. right? To to have the conversation with God and to say, God, you've given me everything I have. That'll be one of the principles we'll talk about. And what does it look like for me to be faithful and generous with what you've given me? That's the real heart behind what we're talking about. And when I believe that when all of our people are generous, our church can be unbelievably generous. That's what it looks like. All right, so... Let me kind of jump into this, because we can't go forever. Um, You're like, well, I want you to think about where you're at right now. So I think we have all kinds of givers in the room, okay? So we have people who are probably not giving at all. Uh, No shame. I'm not here to judge you. I've struggled with giving before in my life. I'm not giving anything. I welcome you into joining everyone else in giving something to the church. I think it'll be great. Uh, Maybe you're tipping. I always this was a funny. This is why a lot of pastors take the offering at the end of service, try to make you feel real good, and then they try to take an offering at the very end. They're hoping to pull something out of your pocket and stick it in. We don't even send anything around anymore, because for us, giving is a decision that we make outside of an emotional context where people are manipulated. Okay, That's not what we're trying to do. So could be tipping whatever's in your pocket, uh, or, "Hey God, good job." or "Hey, pastor, great sermon. I think we'd be in trouble if you guys gave based on my preaching. Maybe you're giving very comfortably. You're giving a, 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 an amount every month that just runs in the background. Like, I am a, kind of ashamed to say this. Uh, I have, like, just paid my student loans in the background because it's, like, $75, and I was able to, like, refinance it when it was, like, 0%, like, 100 years ago. Um, so, like, I actually don't even know where my student loan is at. It just runs in the background. It's 75 bucks a month. I don't think about it. I probably paid the people who own my student loan, like, $100 million, um, because I just didn't do anything with it, and it was just something I never paid attention to, and I didn't care because it was just $75 a month. I, for you, maybe that's a lot, but I just it runs in the background. It's very comfortable. There are a lot of people who give in that way. They're like, hey, I can give a little bit of money, and no one's going to ever think about it. Like, it's just, it just runs in the background. Um, I think there are people who give significantly. They think about it. They work hard on trying to figure out what that looks like for them. They make a decision. They follow through on it. That's a significant decision. Um, I think tithing. Is A lot of people still tithe, and again, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not going to necessarily teach that as the be-all, end-all, but I understand the concept behind it. It's not a bad thing. Jesus is cool with it. Uh, give Sacrificially, I know a lot of people that give well over a tithe. In fact, I had one professor, it kind of changed the way I thought about giving. He always said, every time my entire life, every time I ever got a raise, I just raised what I was giving. Like, if I got a 10% raise, and I was giving 10%, now I just give 11% because that amount really almost always was just coming straight out of whatever my raise was. So anytime I got a raise in my life, I just continue to give. And he's like, you know, before long, you find yourself at 20 or 30% because over time, you've given more based on getting more, right? And whenever God gave you more, you just gave more, right? So he gave well beyond a tithe. And I always thought that was an interesting way of giving sacrificially. And sacrificially, is like, you feel it. It's important. It's It's something that's like... You know, uh, on the front of your mind, it's something that you're giving that you feel and is a decision. And then I've thrown reverse tithing because if there's anybody in here who's independently wealthy and just wants to live on 10% of their money, I would welcome your 90% at our church. Um, famously, this is Rick Warren, the pastor at Saddleback, uh, or was the pastor at Saddleback. He made like a billion dollars on his books and his purpose driven keys, right? Like, <laughs> Uh, purpose-driven journal and purpose-driven notebooks and purpose-driven pens and purpose-driven clothes or whatever. And before long, this guy was a millionaire on just the stuff. that he, So he paid back every dollar he ever made from his church and then didn't move and still drove an old minivan and just decided to start living 10% of what he was given and tied the 90% back to his church and so that, that kind of stuff exists like God does move in people to be um, unbelievably sacrificial at times and it's in that case probably a spiritual gift right and obviously Rick Warren was uh, investing in the church that he spent his life creating so for him it was a worthy investment uh, but if any of you would like to talk about you know living on tempers, I would be glad to talk to you about that my point is everyone, all of us start in a different place and there's a chance for all of us to grow Right? Wherever you find yourself on this, this, there doesn't need to be shame around it. We don't need to you know, have a conversation publicly about who's giving what or how that looks. Most of the time when we look at the financial information in our church, we're looking at the big picture, sort of the meta-narrative, what's going on, and how do we interpret how the giving trends are looking in our church. Um, but wherever you find yourself, there's probably a chance to grow And I want to start just by kind of helping you. If you're thinking about growing, I want to help you see it from the perspective that might help you. So, first, I want you to understand that when we think about what it means to be generous people in God's economy, we start with the idea that everything we have comes from God. Right? James uh, chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, it says, Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly light. Our resources don't come from us. They don't come from the world around us. Everything, as a Christian, you believe, is a gift from God. Everything that you have is a gift from God. Jesus talks about this idea of stewardship right? a couple times in his parables. And one of my favorite parables is when he's talking to a rich person And he's talking to them about how they have so much that the idea of what they do with it will either be to give it away, the extra that they have, or to build more barns and store it up. And Jesus says, look, you could die tomorrow and all the stuff that you store in these barns would be wasted. Who Who would it go to? That There's a certain time in our lives where we find that God has given us something so that we can give it away to other people. And when we look at it as all his... We're not giving a percentage like to the... We're using God's resources, 100% of it, to do his ministry. And a portion of it goes back to the ministries that we find ourselves involved with, or we're investing in. We see this all as God's and none of ours. And then we try to be stewards to use God's resources the way that he wants us to use them. And this is a philosophy change for a lot of people. A lot of people feel like everything that they earn is theirs. I have earned this. I went to work for this. I have worked hard for this. And now I'm going to give a portion of this back to God. And I want you to understand that's not a biblical idea. Like, as Christians, we believe everything that we have is a blessing from God and meant to be stewarded. And along with that comes responsibility. And I know you understand this concept. Okay? And here's how I can tell you you understand it. Have you ever borrowed anyone's car? Hey, you guys are great Minnesotans. I know you are. So you borrow somebody's car. Before you return it, what do you do? You're going to gas it up first. You're going to wash it if you're that great. I know, Chris, if, can, I, can I just for a second, Chris, can I just call you out? Chris borrowed my car a couple times in our, in our lives. He brings it back vacuumed and washed. it's never looked better. I'm always like, hey, Chris, can you borrow my car? <laughs> you understand what it means to steward something you borrowed it for a period of time you are returning it to who owns it and you want to bring it back even better than when you received it i feel this pressure when i get like an airbnb right like i don't own this and i don't owe that person anyone and they're charging me 250 dollars for a cleaning fee and yet i still want to clean it i want to hand it back better than i found it i know you have this this mentality, because you're a good Minnesotan, right? This is the idea of what God's... God has given us something to steward that belongs to him. And he wants us to leverage it and use it for his kingdom. So he says, hey, when you think about what you're going to do with all of your resources, right? Your homes, your, your families, like the time that you have as people, the, the talents that you have, the finances that you have you know, the vacation home that you have that you should borrow to your pastor. Um, come on, somebody. <laughs> like, you have 100% of your stuff is not your stuff, it's God's stuff. And you have a chance to leverage what you have for his, his glory and his ministry. And when you start to look at it differently like that, you can begin to find gener- like, levels of generosity that you didn't think you had. Because you start to say, this isn't mine, this is God's. Now, how I use this looks different because I want to steward the resources that I have and make sure I use them in a way that is pleasing to God. Second idea here is Jesus modeled being generous as an all-in proposition. And I'm going to go to 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. This comes out of a section where Paul's talking to the church in Corinth about generosity He's actually taking up an offering for Jerusalem who's in a massive famine and the church there is really suffering. And the church in Corinth is basically raising money to send to Jerusalem so that they can get out of or at least have some relief from the situation that they're in. And so Paul is trying to encourage them to be generous and to give and to see what they have as an opportunity to take care of the church in a different location. It's a really cool moment in this church in Corinth's history. They get a chance to be generous with what God has given them to save or help the church in Jerusalem. So this is what Paul says. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And so Paul is just getting ready to ask them, and he says, hey, let's just stop for a second and let's compare this to what Jesus has done. He says, Jesus chose poverty instead of riches. Jesus gave away himself on behalf of all believers, anyone who needs forgiveness of sin, which is all of us. Jesus gave himself. He couldn't give a tithe of himself. 10% of his blood on the cross would not have done the work that he needed to do. He gave himself completely, on purpose, generously, lovingly. He calls us to think with the same concept. That if we want to be rich, we become poor. That if we want to, you know, be honoring to God with the resources that he's given us, we find poverty in what it looks like to use those, those resources. So he calls us to an all-in model of generosity. And this isn't easy because this world is set up in such a way, or the culture is set up in such a way, to say, protect yourself, get yours, put enough away, Make sure, and I'm not telling you don't save. I mean, I think, you know, uh, I'm not telling you be stupid. That would not be a good way to steward what God has given you. But I'm telling you to live sufficiently so that you can be extravagantly generous. That there's opportunity to be smart and do things right and then give in such a way that it would model or be after the model that Jesus gave from, which is all in proposition. He gave his life, he gave himself. He gave his flesh. It wasn't a tithe. It was 100%. He gave what was necessary. Right? That's what he calls us to do. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you've received something like that. I remember... Uh, these details are fuzzy because fuzzy, it was 1993 or 1994, I think. Um, and So you could ask uh, Randy and Debbie later and they'll probably correct you correct my story here but um, I remember as I was I became a believer in 1993 at 13 years old I decided that that summer I wanted to go on a mission trip felt like mission trip that's what I'm supposed to do I'm growing in my faith growing like a weed um, basically just reading the Bible non-stop you know and growing in my faith and showing up at church and I was there at, you know 7 a.m when the trailer showed up and loaded the sound system and I set it up and I ran sound and that's what church looked like to me. and now God was calling me to go on this mission trip. but we were going to go for a month-long mission trip in, uh, the, on the island of Grenada. Um, but you're like, yeah, great, that's a great place to go for a mission trip. It like sounds like vacation. Uh, Grenada is unbelievably poor. There's like areas where, hey Rand, there's he's like give me the thumbs up. Uh, There's areas in Grenada that are like, yeah, they're like uh, the cruise ship pulls in and there's like a, you know, a a place for rich people to enjoy the beach, right? But then the rest of the island is poor people and we kind of were inland, inward, and kind of staying there for like four weeks and we just went there and served. So 14 years old, I have to raise like $2,000. And I had never really, like how in the world am I going to raise it? I had no job. But you know, like a... Precocious fourteen-year-old—I don't know if that's the right word. Um, <coughs> I believed God for it. I was like, "God's going to give me this because He wants me to go on this mission trip, and we're just going to figure it out." So I wrote letters to all the people in my life that I could possibly think of that could give me a donation. I sent them all out, and about—you know—with about a month left to go, I had about half, maybe three quarters at the most. So I was looking at like twelve, thirteen hundred dollars probably for my two thousand dollars. Uh, cost, and I didn't know what we were going to do. And I just said, you know, I'm just going to keep moving forward here. So as we got closer to the event, we had a couple kids from our church going. I think there was like four or five of us. And then we were meeting up with a larger team, so there was like 20 of us total. And um, I remember like, even going to the camp where they prepped you and got you ready for the mission trip, I still didn't know where the rest of the money was going to come from. Now, I know my parents didn't have it, and I would already tapped out every single option I had. And I didn't know what was going to happen. And you know somebody in that church figured out what everybody owed and wrote a check to cover the amount of every... Per- Randy, am I getting this right? Yeah. Wrote a check to cover the full amount of the team because all of us had money left to raise. Like, I want you to understand that when you can operate with that kind of generosity... There's unbelievable joy in that and you are able to then take Jesus' model of being all in and say, you know what, what do I have this for? I have this so that I can use this to make sure that ministry is happening and the kingdom is being built. You know what that taught me about generosity? There was a person that I never knew, I don't think we knew who it was, um, that there was somebody willing to stand up and say, hey, I'm going to make sure that this happens. I want to make sure that I invest in this person. I mean, that changed my trajectory. That whole trip changed my trajectory. But that was one place where I was able to see God's faithfulness through the actions of somebody else who was being unbelievably generous. When we talk about the church being generous, we can't be generous unless our people are unbelievably generous. Our generosity is limited to what God has given us, and God gives us what our people give us. Right. So that is, to me, the idea that Jesus is... Gone all in and modeled this for us. And that is an all in proposition. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9, uh, verse 10. <coughs> Here's one where if we use this as the only principle that I talked about today, it would be out of whack, but held in tension, this is a good principle. 2 Corinthians 9, 10, same section, Paul's continuing on talking to Corinth church about this offering. He says, Now he who supplies seed the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Paul basically says, hey, whatever you have, whatever you're using to plant your crops and to do your thing, you use all of it. If you have a whole bag of seed, you use all the seed to plant those crops. You put those, that seed in the ground, and you don't get to control anything else that happens until those crops come out of the ground. You're going to sow whatever God gives you in that moment. Okay, this is where we tread lightly on the, on the health and wealth gospel. I do believe that the way that we use the resources that God has given us allows God... To give us more or not based on our stewardship of what he has given us. Now, if you had a bag of seed and you only use half of it, you're only gonna get a, a return of half as much. But if you have this bag of seed and you use all of it, I don't know, some farmer can correct my finger, you're going to receive more. I believe God gives us what he gives us and asks us to use it in a way that honors him. And then when we do honor him, he gives us more or less based on how well we steward what he has given us. Now, this is not for ourselves. Right? This is where the health and wealth gospel falls down. God continues to invest in people who are being generous because he knows that's going to be sowed sowed and reaped into his kingdom. It's not for personal gain. It's for kingdom gain. And Paul is saying here, hey, we get a chance to use what God has given us for ministry, and we get to bless this other church, and guess what's going to happen? All of us coming together to use this, generosity, this generous moment that we have here is going to make a difference in Jerusalem. Those Christians over there, our brothers and sisters who are suffering, they're going to be the ones that get to see the kingdom. You're going to sow in Jerusalem, and they're going to reap the harvest of what that looks like. It's not for you. It's for God's kingdom. Okay, He does bless when we are Uh, stewarding in the right way. And he talks about how we will be enriched in every way so that we can be generous on every occasion. Not that you will be enriched in every way so that you can be healthy and wealthy. Not that you will be enriched in every way so you can be more selfish. Not so you can be enriched in every way so your, your checking account can grow. You can be enriched in every way so you can be more generous to God's kingdom. I promise you that if you start giving or you increase what you give, that you will get joy out of that and you will see a return on that, a kingdom return over time. I, ch- I challenge you to test God and say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to increase what we do. I'm going to change what we do. I'm going to listen to what God is calling me to do. I know he's calling me to this. I can see more kingdom ministry happening. And I love the idea that all of us will pool those resources and our church will be more generous. But also, if you don't trust me telling you this, Give to someone else. That's okay. I want you to give to your church, but if you say, God's called me to give, but I, I don't know, Mark stood up there and pitched me that I'm supposed to give more. Okay, fine. Give it to Quincy House. Give it to Ralph Reader. Give it to an, another ministry that's doing ministry. Give it to a missionary somewhere else. Look, I, I want to see us change the world through the generous living that we can have as a church, but also I want you to understand that this principle, right, is something that you can apply and I'm I'm not doing it in a selfish way. I'm trying to help you understand this from a discipleship perspective. Everybody follow me? Everybody follow me? Okay. Great. So, live sufficiently so you can give extravagantly. So, I want to jump here to How should we give? You follow me, Nick. How should we give? And I want to give you a few uh, pointers. So here's Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse seven. If you're going to ask uh, sorry, yeah, verse seven, if you're going to ask, hey, what's sort of the way that we look at giving at this church, I think it is pretty much encapsulated right here. We're not doing an emotional pitch. I'm not trying to sing a song long enough to get you to come up front and pledge, uh, you know. I'm just going to teach you what it looks like to be a disciple. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Here's Paul, again, talking about this, this offering. He says, Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. He tells them, go home, ask God, pray about it, feel great about it. Make a decision. Don't do it haphazardly. Don't give what's in your pocket. Don't make a decision that is just, like, based on whatever is going on at church at the moment. Go home. Make a decision. What should I give? For some of us, that would be, like, starting to give. For some of us, that would mean, I'm really comfortable in what I've been giving, and maybe I need to engage God, and maybe that needs to change. For some of us, hey, if you're, I guess, if you're living on 10% and giving away 90, like, 9%, I don't know, let's give it a shot, right? Um, He says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, right? So not not because I preached a sermon that moved your heart because you engage God and he gave you an idea of what it looked like to be generous, right? Not under compulsion, I have to do this. No, under the idea that I get to do this, that I get to be part of what God is doing. I love my church Love what we're doing. I want to invest here. I want to see this place change the world and create the kingdom. And he says, "For God loves a cheerful giver." Like, don't and let me just be really clear. Don't give us anything if you can't do it with joy. Right? Just whatever it is that you've decided to give and that God has moved in your heart to do, then do that with joy. Feel good about whatever it is. You said, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So here's the last thoughts. <coughs> Excuse me. I got through it. We're going to get all the way through it. See everything as God's. Give your first and your best. There's a whole other sermon right there. Decide ahead what generosity looks like for you, give with joy. Grow in generosity over your lifetime. Look for ways to grow in generosity over time. That's our philosophy on what it looks like to give. And I hope that you don't feel like uh, every time you go to church, they're talking about money. We usually talk about it once a year. I did talk to somebody one time. They said, I visited four churches and every single time I went to this church, uh, a different church, they were talking about money. Um, And I was like, yeah but I want you to understand that we look at this as a decision, as a discipleship, an idea, uh, an area of discipleship, and that it's a chance for us to engage God and to bring our lives under his lordship, understand that he has given us everything and to receive joy from giving. Um, so I invite you this week, week to do that. Let me close out our time in prayer here. Jesus, uh, thank you. Mm. And we have a chance as a, as a group, as a church, to invest what you have given us into your kingdom. I thank you, God, that uh, you made this clear and practical, that you've called us to engage you on what it looks like to be generous and to continue to grow in generosity over our lifetimes. God, will you show us exactly what that looks like? That when we seek you, we will find, and when we knock, the door will be opened. God, as we engage you on this issue, that you will show us what it looks like to be faithful to what you've called us to do. I pray that giving wouldn't be an afterthought, that it wouldn't be just something that happens in the background, but that we would receive joy from being able to see the change in the world around us because you have called us to invest here at this church. In Jesus' name, amen.